0: We've been learning a lot in the book of Exodus. That's just kind of been our main focus as a church. We've been learning about how God is loving on the children of Israel and He is leading them out. He is helping them and He is protecting them. And so just thinking about that, you know, it always makes me think about my child, my little man RJ. RJ is uh he's a lot of fun. He's the light of my life. And so um, I don't know if I'm one of those annoying parents that kind of like talks about their kid all the time, but they don't know it. So they always talk about their kid all the time. And so I, I think I might be falling in that range. I'm just not sure yet, but um, yeah, it's okay. We love our, we love our little ones. And so RJ's my little man. And so I get to rescue RJ all the time You know, just as God, you know, rescues the children of Israel, you know, R.J. wakes up at 3.35 a.m. in the morning. Sometime between 2 a.m. and 3.35 a.m., R.J. will wake up screaming and crying. Kind of starts out as a whimper, and then he'll kind of pick up, and then I'll go in the room. He'll have his lip all stretched out, and he'll be looking like this over his bars, and it looks like he's in a prison And so I come in there and I save him. I'm like, okay. It's actually like a joy for me. And I take him downstairs, lay him on the carpet, uh, change his diaper, feed him a bottle. And it's just a joy for me. Um, So I have a lot of care for my son. Um, Makes me think of a story. There was a woman named Beatrice Dunn. This happened on November fifteenth, nineteen forty-nine, and she used to sit in her rocking chair in this old farmhouse out in Tennessee, a little town called Belltown. And so, her right next to her rocking chair used to be like this little table, and then right next to, uh, right on that table was a Bible. And her telephone. And so she would wake up in the morning and she would read in her Bible. And she would have this great devotion with God. She would have this great time with God. And then, you know, for the rest of the day, she would just kind of sit out there and look out the window. And then if a friend called her, she would pick up her phone. Well, one day, she got a phone call. And it was a sorrowful voice on the other end. And they said, Mom, he won't stop crying. He won't stop crying. And he won't eat. He won't eat. And she said, Mom, she said, if this baby doesn't eat, she said, I think I'm just going to leave him here to die. And the mom said to her daughter, don't you do that. Don't you dare do that. I'll be right there. I'll be right there. I'm so glad that God is the type that will say, I will be right there. God is not the type to neglect us. God loves us. He wants to protect us. And he cares about our needs. A lot of times it's easy for us to think that he will forsake us, but he won't. He loves us, and God is providing for us. So, we're going to learn a little bit more about that in Exodus chapter 34. And in continuing in on this on this on this sermon series, if you do have your Bibles with us, if you could turn to Exodus chapter thirty-four. I'm only going to hit on a little portion of thirty-five, possibly, um, but our main focus will be in thirty-four. If you remember, in in thirty-three, the Lord. The previous chapter, the Lord told Moses that I'm going I'm to pick you up. and I'm gonna, when you, Once you come up this mountain, I'm going I'm to pick you up. I'm going to place you in the cleft of a rock, like this gap in the rock. And then I'm, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to uh, tell you a few things that you can do to help the children of Israel. So now we're in 34, and it says, The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Moses bowed down to the ground and at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders, never been done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you, are, where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god." Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Do not make any idols. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast, as I command you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. Redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem it, all your firstborn sons. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest you must rest." Celebrate the festivals of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. Three times a year, all your men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. And no one will covet your land when you go up three times each year to appear before the Lord, your God. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast, and do not let any of the sacrifice from the Passover festival remain until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with the Lord forty days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water and he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant the 10 commandments then moses came down from the mount from mount sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the lord when aaron and all the israelites saw moses his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him but moses called to them So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. i going to talk to you today about being in the Lord's presence. And one of the things that stuck out to me there was just how powerful God was. So powerful that Moses couldn't experience his full presence that he had to put him in the cleft of a rock to block him from the other sides so that he couldn't experience the whole thing because it probably would have obliterated him. And the word is saying because he spoke to him, his face glue. Is that the right word? Glue? Is it glowed? Well, sticky or, you know, bright, it doesn't matter. It glued, it glowed. <laughs> it did something. It was bright. But Moses was in God's presence. And, and something that is just, just, just phenomenal is that when someone is in the presence of God, God just begins to reveal a piece of himself to that person. And when Moses was up there on that mountain, God just began to speak to him. It was a, a, a time of being along with God. No one was, uh, was uh, there to um, affect what God was saying to him. God could speak directly to Moses, and he was able to receive that. And so um, something else we've been learning about is um, being in the presence of God is that God had commanded the Israelites to build this tabernacle, this tabernacle, which was to be the indwelling place of, of God as he traveled with the Israelites. Um, God asked for this offering, and he, would ha- and he was having... And this is at the same time that Moses is up on this mountain. They are, they are bringing these things to uh, build this tabernacle so that God can dwell and, and travel with the Israelites through this dwelling place. And so... Um, Basically, what this what this tabernacle was, and I'm, I'm sure Pastor Joey's hit on this before, is uh, if you can bring up a picture of that, was it's like um, it's like this big it's like this big tent, and then it has walls around it, and so there's this outer courtyard that that kind of sits right here. If you can imagine that, there's two lines going this way, and uh, there's this offering place where they would uh, sacrifice. Bulls, and they would sacrifice goats, and then they would burn that offering, and uh, that's the way that they offered up things to the Lord. And then, uh, behind that, there was a thing called a um, a laver, where the high priest would wash themselves before they would enter in to, uh, into the uh, tabernacle. And so, this this first place is the is the is the holy place. And they would they would come they would come in here. Um, do you have that other? Do you happen to have that other picture? Um, uh, of this one's kind of yeah. This one I'm, sh- I'm not sure if you can see this one just a little bit better. So if you come through that 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 curtain and you come into the tabernacle there, um, that first room you have the shoe bread that is on the table that is to the right. And according to tradition, there was wine there too. And um, that's the unleavened bread. And then you have the lampstand that is to the left. And that is a resemblance of the the Holy Spirit. And so this would light that entire room and it would stay lit at all times. And the the leavened bread, um, you can see that as the nourishment, the nourishment of God coming into the people and the sacrifice. And then... If you see, that's the incense altar right there. And incense will be burning um, um, throughout the day. And then behind that room, there was a veil that was placed up there. And the veil, behind the veil is the Ark of the Covenant, where the Ten Commandments is placed inside of there. Um, I believe Aaron's staff. And there, there was a few other things. But this is the holies, uh, holy of holies. This is the presence of God. This is where God resides with the Israelites inside of this place right here. And this place is so sacred that no one else was allowed to come in there. Not even the high, the high priest was only allowed to go in there one time a year. And that was on the day of atonement. And if anyone entered inside of that veil, they would be the penalty was death. She would get cut down there was no grace there. I mean, you step a toe inside of there, I mean, you're getting your kneecaps chopped off. So, so that was the situation that Israel was dealing with. And what would happen is this high priest, he would come inside on this day of atonement and he would take blood from a, from a goat and he would sprinkle it on this thing called the, um, the mercy seat which is where you see the two cherubim at the top. It's kind of hard to see them because they're showing that light coming up. The cherubim, he would sprinkle this blood and that would be the remission of sins for the children of Israel. And so they would have to do this once a year, this cruel process. (laughs) I mean, some of you guys still eat hamburgers and stuff. I'm not saying anything, but. um, But it was this process that was, it, it, it basically kept them in the same state and, is, and you're just taking this, this, this blood and you're sprinkling it on this mercy seat for the atonement of their sin. But thank God that was not his final plan. He made a way for us through his son, Jesus Christ, to be the atonement and a per, per, propitiation for our sin. This word says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus died on the cross, he spilled out his blood on behalf of us. When Jesus gave up his spirit and he took his last breath, what it says is that the veil and the temple rent in two. And what happened when that veil rent in two, because that, ve- that temple was built on the same mindset of the tabernacle, is that Jesus was now the high priest for us, seated at the right hand of God. And now, everyone has a way to go directly into the holy of holies. Everyone has the capability of going into the presence of God. At one point, when we would have been struck dead, when we would have stepped into that that veil, we are now able to go directly to God. That's what Jesus does. That's liberty and that's freedom. Hebrews 10, 19, 22 encourages us to draw near to God and experience his presence. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, therefore brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. He's saying, I made a way through the death of my son, to give you this phenomenal experience where you can experience me as if you are on the mountaintop. And he's saying, draw close to me and take advantage of it. However, you know what I think is so easy for men to do is to Take this gift for granted. many ways, we can be so prone to go astray. While God loving us and always beckoning and reaching out and calling to us, it's so easy for us to go astray. So one says, well, how do, I, how, do I, how do I enter into this presence? How do I do that? I believe that there's multiple ways. Um, youth group, we used to kind of go over some of these, but I think I think if we just keep it at the very basics, we'll just, we'll just go over two. And I believe that two of those ways, if you can pull that up for me, is, 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 is prayer. I think it's praying and... It's also reading the Word of God. Today's big question is, are you spending time in God's presence? Hebrews 10 is encouraging us. It's encouraging us. It says it's there, it's available, so let us draw close. James chapter 4 says, draw nigh unto God, and I will draw nigh unto you. He's always reaching out. He's always beckoning. He's always calling. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to speak wisdom into our lives. So, Him wanting to seek out that deep, intimate relationship with us, wanting us to do, to prosper spiritually, um, I just want to ask us four questions today. Just kind of see where God is, you know, he's just speaking to your heart. Just leave it open because, you know, we kind of all deal with our own things. <laughs> None of us in here are perfect. None of us are. I'm not perfect. Far from it. Um, I need the blood of Jesus just as much as anybody does. I need Grace. So question number one is, are you spending time in God's presence to find rest? Are you spending time in God's presence to find rest? See, just reading the Gospels, something I noticed that Jesus always made sure that he did was that he always made sure that he got alone. Several times in the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was pressed by the crowd and people were pressing up on him. Or even they were pressing up on the disciples and they would break off and they would go and they'd be by themselves. You see Jesus praying in the garden, Jesus getting away, and he's having, trying to have that solitary time with God where it's just peace and it's quiet and no one else is there. He saw the importance of it so much that he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights the <laughs> devil still try to mess with him. He only, can, he only showed up for one day, though. <laughs> Moses did the exact same thing. He's gone for 40 days and 40 nights. The presence of God is powerful, but there's, there's this peace that's there. It's almost like the quietness inside of a storm. It's very peaceful. Nothing can get in. Sometimes I, I believe it can be pretty easy to work really hard. That's how I am. I work, I work really hard, and I can be hard on myself at times. Too. Um, but sometimes it's just good just to be still and just know that God is who he is. Just loving him and, and, and for who he is. Saying, God, I just want to be quiet. I just want to be here with you no working, (laughs) nothing, just speak to me. And then sometimes we get so busy doing for God that we forget to do with God. We can do that, right? Doing so much for God that we forget to do with God. (laughs) Yeah, he's a loving God. And he wants that peace for our heart. And sometimes he just literally just wants to hold our hand and be in that relationship with us. The other question is, are we spending time in God's presence to understand his heart? <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. Uh, Sometimes that can almost seem like a challenge. You know, sometimes I I, I don't even know if I understand my wife all the time. Um, she's uh, She says things to me clearly. And I always come back to her and I tell her that it's not there. Um, but there's sometimes there's that breach in communication where you can... You're almost wondering what the other person's thinking. But sometimes it just takes time to spend time in God's presence to understand his heart. Pastor Joey always brings up this, this illustration. Um, he talks about LeBron James and he, he talks about how he and LeBron James, how old how was LeBron James? About 33? He's about 33 years old. But LeBron James grew up in Ohio, Pastor Joey grew up in Ohio. Pastor Joey at times has probably been pretty close to LeBron James, am I correct? Basketball game? Yeah. I've been to basketball game myself. Um, and we kind of know of LeBron James. It's kind of weird, though, because, you know you, you know, you see somebody on Facebook that, you know, you really don't know, but then they have, like, a bunch of mutual friends as you. You're like, LeBron James may have some same mutual friends that Joey may have because Joey's, you know, always been in athletics. However, you know, how many acquaintances we may have, it doesn't necessarily mean that we know that person's heart. And the more, that, the more that we actually sit down with someone during that quiet time, we get to know a little bit about them. And so are we spending time in God's presence to understand his heart? I believe the Ten Commandments is you know, I think it speaks a lot into, into God's heart. Not in a judgmental way, but almost in a way of saying, hey, this is how uh, I want you to love other people. And so, um, yeah, just how, just how are we doing that? And then, are we spending time in God's presence for direction? Um, You know, I think in many ways, um, (laughs) in many ways, we can try to do things on our own. And we can tell God that, that I want the will. And that, God, I really don't need your advice at this time. And I think the reason we do that is because we get scared. And and in our in our in our self-defense and our self-defense mechanism, we can kind of put off good advice. And I always try to uh, my son has his little blue car and we like to take him out. We like to push him in this little blue car. We push him down the street. And there's this horn on there, and it's kind of sturdy. It's kind of hard for him to push down, and it makes this cool noise like, and I'm always trying to help RJ press this horn because it's a little bit harder for him, and he's always trying to do it with two fingers because he always sees me pushing it down with two fingers. And so when I go to help him, every single time he says, Get off of me. And so he just does it every single time, he says, get off. And so, in many ways, I see it in him, just this little guy that's just like, It's kind of built inside of us. We kind of want to figure things out all by ourselves, you know. We gotta, you know, gotta gotta smell the crap to know that it stinks. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know. Um, So we go through those things a lot, you know, when we're you know we're teenagers and stuff. Um, We have people that kind of oversee us, and they're like, "Hey, I think you need to go in this direction," and we never listen. We we take the other route, and so. in many ways, God is, he wants us to spend time with him so that he can give us direction. This is what he's doing throughout this whole process with the children of Israel. He's giving them guidance and he's giving them direction. As a matter of fact, at one point, as you'll, as you'll hear later, he's, he's almost like as a cloud. He's as a cloud over top of this tabernacle. And anytime he rise above this tabernacle inside of this cloud, that's when the people need to move out and move in the, in the right direction. So, the last question is, are we spending time in God's presence for spiritual survival? Jesus, when he's been tempted out in the desert, he said that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sometimes, I think I say sometimes a lot. Sometimes. sometimes. We need God for his provision. God provides in many ways. I believe that, I believe that times, there's some of us in here who are going through droughts where We're so hungry and we're so thirsty spiritually. Our tongue is dry. We just need a quenching of thirst. We need nourishment for our soul. And sometimes we smile through it. But deep down inside, we are really hurting. And I believe that God is that one that will quench your thirst. I believe that God is the one who will give you that nourishment. And a lot of times he just wants us to slow down so that we can spend that time with him so that he can provide that. It's almost like he's trying to offer it to us, but we just keep running so fast. The more we run, the more dehydrated we get, the more tired we get. Word of God tells us that as newborn babes in Christ, we should desire the sincere milk of the word. (laughs) It helps us grow, helps us grow strong. That's a part of the nourishment, that's a part of meeting with him in the presence of God. And there's times where you felt like you couldn't make it. And, and, and I, I want to I encourage you this. This is how you, this is how you know you're a child of God. You know, you know babies have babies have a rooting reflex. You know, if you do like this to a baby, to a baby's boutique, I'll turn like it's like Carlton. Was it the Will Smith? <laughs> the, baby, the baby will turn. The Baby will turn. Also has like a little grasping reflex, like a hold on to things. So if you put your put your finger inside of a baby's palm, the little baby does what? Grabs it. Look where you are today. Look where you're seated. Your heart is yearning for something. You have a natural rooting reflex is reaching for the things of God. And you know there was days when you didn't even feel like coming to church and you found yourself here in the seat, and you received something so encouraging and you just walked away just like, thank you God, that's what I needed. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You know that woman who didn't want to feed her baby? (laughs) That was her fourth child. She had twins. Baby girl was eating. And the little boy had a hard time having desire for the milk. That grandmother Beatrice Dunn Got in her car. She drove over there to where her daughter was at. She took a dropper and some goat's milk. And she began to drop little drops in that baby's mouth. Little drops in that baby's mouth. She just kept doing it. She kept doing it. She kept doing it till the baby stopped crying. That little baby was my father. A few drops of milk allowed for me to be standing here today. And then allow for me to have a son. And Lord willing, he'll have some future generations after him. Sometimes in my heart, it's easy for me to think that, you know, the small Bible verse that I may read a day, or the little time that I may take out to pray with God, that... It's easy to put it off and it doesn't really matter. But sometimes, here it goes again, the smallest little steps that we take towards being in the presence of God, it births so much life that there are future generations that will continue to come. The main theme in Exodus is that God is going to make Israel a prosperous nation by the number. We are the children of Israel now. 1129. I want you all to stand with me real quick. (laughs) I just want us to bow our heads and I want us to close our eyes. um, I'm just going to pray with us as a congregation that if the Lord spoke to you today, I just want you—you uh, you just stick both your hands in the air. Say, um, just stick them out like this. Say, Lord, uh, just this, uh, in and a, and in a, and a posture of receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dear Father, uh, we thank you for your word. As men, Father, we can feel so inadequate. And and feel as if we don't have um, the capabilities of sometimes even putting two words together. Father, sometimes we don't feel worthy to even praise your name. But Lord, when we don't have the strength to even desire your word, Father, we know that you Take the dropper and you place milk into our mouth, Father. Lord, you see uh, those who are thirsty here today, Father. You know that you can give them a drink from a well that will never run dry. Father, we pray that, um, that there will be deliverance, Father, in hearts today. Father, that there will be hearts that are growing closer to surrender to you, Father. Hearts that yearn for you more and and yearn for themselves less. Father, I pray that you bless families through whatever seeds that were planted today. Lord, uh, may the hearts grow with patience and love for each other. May their hearts yearn um, yearn for your word, yearn for your love knowing that they are loved by you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Give you the glory and the honor. We ask these things in the name of your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, before everyone goes, um, I just want to give you, you know, um, a couple of practical steps, um, things that you can do. Um, one, one is um, it's always great to get into the Word of God, and sometimes there it goes again. I'm gonna go back and watch this recording. It's gonna be on there like 47 times. Sometimes no. <laughs> one of the things you can do is you can read in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is very easy to read. Uh, It's very little, you know, small chapters. And if you could just take one of those chapters, if you are having a hard time reading, um, I just felt like the Lord was just saying that. You can find one of those uh, small chapters or even small verses and just read that verse every day. And you can get, and you can just, you know, receive something from the Lord, receive something. Then the other thing I would say do is is try to find time for God in the morning. And give him the first fruits of your day, because sometimes we can get really busy, and, and 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 then it can be harder at the end of the day because we're tired and we're just exhausted. So if if you find it hard to pray to God at times, that'd be a good time to do it. It's first thing when you wake up in the morning. So um, be blessed. Um, I hope you guys uh, have a great rest of the week. Um, thank you for um, paying so much attention to me while I use my words sometimes and. Um uh, I love you guys and yeah, take care